You're listening to the New Hope Church Podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in as today's talk comes from Jason Kemp. Good morning. There we go. Good morning. Hey, uh, thank you guys so much for praying for us these last couple of weeks. Uh, Donna and I had the opportunity to to, uh, head to an island south of Florida. We went to St. Thomas, celebrated 25 years and um, left the kids at home, which, you know, sorry guys, but we love you still, right? (laughs) But we had a great time. Thank you for the opportunity to head out. And this morning, I wanted to introduce you to a new friend of mine. His name is Reginald. Um, this is who we met uh, while on the island. Um, yeah, sea turtles, they are my absolute favorite. And uh, we didn't, I didn't get to see any until the very last day. The last beach we went to, we found a family of like five or six. I don't know. We couldn't keep up with how many there were. And every time we went out just past the swim area, there they were. And uh, eating the grass and just floating around. And I love the turtles. I love just how they go about life. I love that... Um, um, they play a vital role. I mean, I was looking, I got to see a bunch of sea urchins, and I thought, how in the world does the sea urchins not take over the world? Well, it's because the turtles eat the sea urchins. Things that I would not even get close to touching, the turtles take care of. But yet, as they live this significant life, they take care of all the important things in life, they are so peaceful, so graceful, so calm. They never seem to be in a hurry, and that's just how I want to live my life, is just this patient graceful way of living a significant life. And so Reginald was one of my favorites, but my least favorite part about all of that is the sand. I mean, we give my son Michael a hard time about this, but I don't care for the sand. I'm okay when I'm at the beach, when we're actually there and doing it, but I don't want to bring it back to my room. I definitely don't want it coming back to Indiana with me, but the sand just gets everywhere, doesn't it? Not just between your toes, but in your backpack. The last night we were there, I had to wash my backpack because it was full of sand and smelled like salt water. And I just, no, I, I didn't want to carry that through the airport all day. So some things just permeate in all places. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. But while I don't care for sand, what we're going to talk about is how we should be salt in this world to be light in this world. And that is a good thing that God is calling us to do. And so if you've got your Bibles with you today, um, we're gonna be in Matthew chapter five, verses 13 through 16. If you wanna pull up your smartphone or your Bibles, however you wanna do that, then you can join along with me as we read this together. Verses 13 through 16 of Matthew chapter five says that you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. And you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. 
This is a passage that many of us have heard often. It's one of our favorite analogies that we are the salt, we're the flavor, we're the preservation of our culture so that it doesn't decay in this world. And we're to be the light. We illuminate truth. We help inspire people. We're a protection. We're a beacon of hope, a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. And that last verse says that we need to let our good deeds shine out for all to see. Why? So that our pride can go forth so that we can work our way to heaven? No. It says so that everyone will praise our heavenly Father. So we're to do our good deeds, let our, let our light and our salt out into the world to permeate so that everyone will turn to Jesus. And that's what we've been talking about these last few weeks in a series called Stop Going to Church. Simply just stop. Stop going to church because there's a lot more to that. That we need to be the church, not just here during this hour on Sunday morning, but Monday through Saturday. There's 167 other hours that we need to be the church. And we've talked about how God is calling us into community and we're to serve one another in love. And God is calling us to even serve in the church, that it's not about what the church can get from you, but it's about what God wants for you as we serve. And this morning, we're going to talk a little bit further about our vocation. That's a word we don't use very often. Um, vocation is essentially the callings that we find ourselves in day in and day out. For some of us, it's a career. It's a job. For others, it might be what you do at home. Uh, maybe you're a homeschool parent or a stay-at-home dad. Whatever that might be, maybe your work has moved into your home, and now there's not a lot of separation between home and work. But what is our calling each day as we go through life that is our vocation. That we have the sphere of our family, the sphere of our neighborhood, the marketplace, government, politics, the schools. Maybe your job is to go to school each day, whether you're a teacher or whether you're a student. But how do we live out our vocation? Or a word that we more commonly use is calling. What is my calling? What am I supposed to do today? And we're going to take a little bit from the Puritans who lived in the 16th, 17th century. They're from England. They fought against the, the, the Catholic church. And one of the things that they fought against was this division between the, cl the clergy and the laity. And they defined three callings in our lives, three vocations that we live out simultaneously, that each one of us live into these three callings each and every day. And so we want to borrow from them today and the way that they phrased that. The first calling that the Puritans talked about is our highest calling. That is to know God and to be known by God. Jesus put it this way, that uh, the greatest commandment is to do what? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That as we pour our life into loving God, knowing more about him, does he just kind of look down at us and say, okay, and move on? No, God invests into us. He wants to know us as well. It says that, that he even knew us before we were born. He knew our names. He counts the hairs on our heads. He knows us, every aspect, every detail about our lives. And so our highest calling is to love God. And in return, he loves us. So we know him and he knows us. The second is what they called common callings. Those are the things in the Bible that apply to us living here in America in 2021. 
but they apply to people living in Asia or South America or Africa or people living in the year 1283 or the year 302. These common callings work across time and culture. Things like don't murder, don't commit adultery, or maybe good things like, hey, be generous, be joyful, pray at all times, love widows and orphans. Those are common callings that God has placed on our lives that we live out, that as we get to know God, we become more like Jesus. And so the language we've been using here at New Hope is to live, love, and go. To learn to live like Jesus, to learn to love like Jesus, and go in the same way that Jesus did in his life. So our highest calling, get to know God, and he knows us. Our common callings is living out the the word of truth, the gospel. The third one is where we get hung up. And that is our unique callings. Our specific callings. Things that only you are accountable for and no one else. For example, I am called to be the husband of my wife Donna. If somebody else came in and said, I feel called to be her husband, we're going to have a problem, right? <laughs> that is my specific calling. And that's a calling that I have chosen. But I'm also called to be a father. And when Michael was born, we didn't really know what was coming out. <laughs> we didn't know if it was a girl or a boy, if he was going to be strong-willed or, well, yeah, many of y'all know Michael, you know what we got. And that's a calling that I wake up to each and every day that I choose to fulfill. And these are specific callings. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's tasks. Maybe it's a job or a career or a role in your world that you choose to fill. And unfortunately, while our highest calling and our common callings, those are in the Bible and we can read about those, there's nothing in there that says, here's your specific calling. It doesn't say, Jason, here's what you get to do today. Here's what I want you to do tomorrow. That is revealed to us through the work of the Holy Spirit. That as we dive into God's word, as we understand him more, he reveals through his spirit what we're to do. But there's a tension. There's a tension that builds in that. And I've mentioned before, I've had the opportunity to be a pastor for 25 years. I've been working in the church since forever. Um, it was one of my first jobs in high school was interning in my uh, youth ministry. But Along the years, I have had to do things to help support my family. And so I've worked for organizations like Sears, um, selling appliances, windows, and doors. That was fun. I got to work for Red Robin for four years. Everybody say it with me. Red Robin. Yum. Right? Four years at Red Robin. That was, that was interesting. And right before we moved here, I happened to be working for Apple, one of the largest tech companies in the world. And um, it, was, it was a very interesting job. But there's a tension that when we're, when we're living in this space that we wonder, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? One of the things I hate is cleaning half-eaten food that's I don't know who touched it. Uh, no, thank you. How am I living into my calling through that? And when I was working at Apple, my direct supervisor, we're standing in the hallway one day and love the guy, one of the nicest guys ever. But his morals were completely opposite of mine. He had a husband. His mouth used language that I hope I never use. And somebody walked up 
and mentioned something about me working in the church. And he looked at me and he's like, what? You? And I was like, yeah, I'm part-time. I, I work part-time for my church. I'm a worship leader. His face just went white. I must so offend you. And I, I can still see his face today. I was like, oh my goodness. No, no, you don't offend me. Jesus loves you. I love you. And in that moment, I'm feeling that tension of, God, what, how am I supposed to do this? How do I be a Christian? How do I live my faith in the face of these moments? And that tension creates a lot of pressure in our lives. And we're going to pause here for just a moment because over the last couple of years, I've had the chance to get to know Chris Wood a little bit more. And uh, I have really enjoyed um, journeying with Chris and learning more about his heart of how he looks at the kingdom of God and how he looks at his vocation, his profession, and meshes and merges those two together and lives in that tension. So we did an interview a couple weeks uh, before the beach. Sorry, I didn't take you with me to the beach, but we're going to watch a little bit about uh, our interview with Chris. Just a little background. I have... um a technical degree and I have a psychology degree and have struggled over the years trying to figure out where God is taking me. Um, had an on-job accident, like it just went through different things where it was quickly I thought that God was leading me into ministry. So I actually thought at one point that I was going to go back to school and become and get into ministry some form or fashion, but I just knew I just couldn't be a head pastor and there I also knew like I had taken several jobs out that I wasn't sure how I was going to end up in ministry but I just knew that I couldn't do these things and I was going to let God figure that out right (laughs) (laughs) so God kind of had a different plan he had a different idea and so you've started a couple businesses and through that you found a different way about how to serve the community how to serve people yeah, so I struggled for a long time with, uh, there, there seems to be like a strong uh, dichotomy between trying to figure out how do you take care of your family and how do you lead people to Christ so that you're also helping grow the kingdom and how to um, just do both of those and struggling when you're called to your family first and you're called to build disciples and it's like, well, how do you do that at the same time? There's only like... And there's 40 hours of the work week, but then there's so many more hours in the day, but yet you're supposed to also take care of your family and also raise your kids, which also requires time. And just trying to struggle with that on trying to figure out where God was taking me. So then it quickly, um, in my heart, I've always wanted to serve. Uh, I think that's truly been a running theme throughout my life. Yeah, so even though God's given you a, a, a mind for entrepreneurship and running businesses, it's not about the profit and loss, it's not about you know doing this job or that job, it's it's about the people underneath it and how you can serve them. So you feel like this has given you a, a, a very specific platform in the community? Yeah, I totally do. I think that um, in my opinion, um, I, ne- I wouldn't necessarily have bumped into these people um, prior to this, and I don't know that I would have been able to serve them in prior to this because I wouldn't have known them nor would I have been able to uh, help them with their needs. So I feel like um, Stillwater, its its expectations is that we're helping people that have either problems 
or sometimes they just yes they might just need some flooring changed it's not a big deal yes but for some people they might have flooring changes because of the fact that they had a water leak so we have to go out and help them figure out why they're having a water leak because it's going to create it could create mold it could create there's other things that it could become a bigger issue and we're there to help serve them so at that capacity I'm there in a serving capacity and our goal is to try to help bring Christ through our actions and through our serving ability in a construction fa facet. Yeah, I think that's a, it's kind of a revitalization in our culture around business that uh, like we have a mutual friend, um, Tom, that um, is, he lives down south and he makes donuts with the hope of uh, changing fatherlessness in his community that he wants all the kids to have father figures and he sees donuts as an opportunity to do that. Yes. And the, I mean, Tom definitely opened up my eyes in the fact that I would have never put those two together in any serving capacity, but Tom did. And it's great to see Tom running with God's gift for him and his ability to open up his heart to serve the fatherlessness process and bringing donuts to that mix. I, I would have never done that. Um, but, you know, I'm ecstatic for him and what God's done for him already to this point where he's getting started. Right. And so the avenue that God's given you is that you have the opportunity to step into a person's moment of crisis, stress, trouble, thing, or even into their dreams, even if they're looking at expansion or remodel. Right. You're able to step into those moments and walk with them in their lives through that. Right. What would you... You know, if, if there's a, a budding entrepreneur or someone who's looking at their own career going, I, I just, I don't know how to, how to layer the kingdom on top of my career. Um, what, what would you say is your hope for the future of business, the future of careers, um, you know, as, as we live out the kingdom in our, in our lives? Well, I know for me personally, like I am super excited about entrepreneurship, like, and I have, God has shown me an ex, uh, uh, a path for me as well as those that are interested in it to help them um, figure out better ways to do so. Um, I think that um, being that it was such a struggle for me when I was younger trying to figure out what was next, um, I would just, uh, my goal is to try to help others uh, work through that dichotomy of that struggle between the business world and trying to train up others to be Christians and, and trying to bring that all together and try to help other people see that they can do that. And it's not always necessarily with, hey, we're bringing uh, verses to pe people. Sometimes it's just being quiet and serving. And, you know, there's a time and a place for both. And I think God has laid things on people's hearts that I never would never guessed and everybody's got their part to do. Being able to connect with other people who are business owners and being able to help other business owners is kind of one of my passions as well. But I'm also, my also passion to the customers is also passion to my family. Like, and those, in my opinion, those passions kind of all align together at some level because I'm serving for Christ at, in different capacities, but yet in the same level. Right, right. Well, thanks, Chris. Thanks yeah. for sharing. And uh, New Hope, if you have any questions about how to bring alignment into all those spheres of our lives, um, I know Chris would love talking to you. We'd love talking to you at any point. And um, thanks for listening. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks, Chris. Hard watching yourself on video, isn't it? <laughs> yeah.
So like we said earlier, regardless of our career, our roles, whether that's in the home, the workplace, the marketplace, the, uh, the government, our politics, our schools, wherever it is we find ourselves, we have a specific calling that we get to live into. And there's a couple of misunderstandings that I want to talk about real briefly that we tend to kind of convolute some of these things. And I've been really guilty of thinking some of these things along the years. So I want to just talk about these real quick. The first is probably the most important, that our unique calling is not our identity. If you think about that, your unique calling, the specific thing that is only to you, it's still not your identity. Our identity is found in Jesus, in Christ that if you think about your social media profiles, it always says, you know, what's your bio? Who are you? You know, things like that. And we list things like, I'm a Jesus follower. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm, I'm, I'm called to be single. Or, um, you know, we list all of these specific callings, the roles and responsibilities and things that we do as if this is who we are. But our identity is not in our unique callings. The way I encounter God is not because I show up on Monday morning at a church to work for a church. That's not, that's not how I encounter God. I encounter God through my relationship with Jesus. And we tend to attach significance and value and identity to those specific roles, those things that, that, are, that are unique to us, but we attach our value to that. That my identity, my self-worth relies on those things. But when a job changes... When relationships fall apart because we're, we're sinful people, where is our foundation? Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And if our identity, our worth, our value is placed in Jesus, who never changes, when the storms of life come, our worth, our identity is held secure because of Jesus. And so we need to learn to understand our identity is in Jesus, not in our unique callings. The second misunderstanding is this, is that there's no hierarchy of unique callings. One calling over another is not better or worse than another. They're unique to us and all are needed. So often we use words like, well, this is a sacred vocation and this is a secular vocation. Or, oh, I, you know, I, I have a job in the secular workforce. Yeah, I, is that really true? Is that really a distinction that God cares more about some things than other things in our lives? Does God really care about this type of work function because it's sacred compared to something that's not? It's secular? God does not have a hierarchy of callings in this. That we have first-class citizens. You know, you get to sit at the front of the airplane with the nice pillows, blankets, and snacks on the flight. You know, you're first-class, but there's some second-class out there too. And that if you want to move up to first-class, you've, you've got to walk away from that secular job, and you've got to take on a sacred role in God's kingdom. Or, you know... Maybe I'm not going to change my role, but I'm going to take, you know, I'm an accountant for a corporation, but if I become an accountant for a, a church, a parachurch ministry, then, then I will find honor in God's kingdom. That is not how God's kingdom works. God is not looking for us to work in a secular workplace and somehow be the secret missionary or the secret pastor to the people around us. 
that it's not about being able to wear a t-shirt. Like when I was at Apple, faced with my supervisor, I couldn't wear a t-shirt with a cross on it. I was technically in an environment where I couldn't necessarily share my faith with him openly. It's not about being able to play Christian music so that as people walk by your cubicle, they, they hear the name of Jesus or, or posting Bible verses on the wall. It's not necessarily about those things because it's about us living like Jesus in every action. That how we send an email, how we run into one another in, in the places that we play, those are the type of things that matter in our specific callings. Because each one of us walk a different road or in a different place each and every day than one another. I've had people come to me and say, you know, pastor, I could never do what you do. Well, good, because I could never do what you do and the world doesn't need two of me's. (laughs) That's why there's one of you and one of me. There is no difference. God does not hold a distinction between the sacred and the secular. Where does Jesus live? Where does the Holy Spirit reside? In our hearts. So if that is the truth, it doesn't matter where we work, where we play, where we gather, we are sacred. And we are bringing Jesus into the world. A world that's trying to tell us secularism is the way to go, that they want us to forget about God. They want us to look at the world through a lens that doesn't involve God. We can't do that. God is in us. And so we bring the sacred to the workplace, to our neighborhoods, to our government, to our schools. And we think our good friend, Zach, um, thank you for praying for him this week and uh, the loss of his dad. Um, But Zach works part-time for a church and he works part-time for a barbershop. Does God look at Zach and say, well, half of what you do is worthwhile? No. God looks at all of it and honors it all. So there's no hierarchy of callings. It's God has put us in a very specific place. And as the boys read earlier on video video in Colossians 3.17, that whatever you do, wherever you are, whenever you are, do it all for the glory of God. Keep the kingdom, keep Jesus in the forefront of your mind, giving thanks to God at all times. The third misunderstanding is this, is that discovering our unique calling in life, it's a lot easier than we think it is. You realize we're in one of the cultures, one of the first cultures in all of history that has actually had the opportunity to choose. That if you were the child of farmers a couple hundred years ago, what did you grow up to be? A farmer. And if you were born into a royalty, you were a a prince or a princess, did you get to go, hmm, I really love baking bread. I'm going to be a baker. No, they had to live even into the royalty. So on either end of the spectrum, they didn't necessarily have a choice, but we do. We get to ask that question, what do you want to be when you grow up? (laughs) And because of that, we tend to put pressure on our lives that we better find that specific calling for our life, that one thing that only you can do. And if you don't do it, if you don't find that and you don't live into that calling, then you're gonna miss out on the fullness of God's plan for your life. So you're telling me that God's gonna set up a system where 
if I just miss that one little thing, I don't get the fullness of God? No. God loves us. And finding our calling is a lot easier than that. That often we pray about, oh my goodness, what, should, what is my calling? What do I need to do, God? What do I need to do? Because I want to change the world. I want to make a difference. I want to prosper. I want to be successful. How do I get there, God? And we spend all our time worrying and praying about tomorrow. And we miss our calling today. Don't worry about tomorrow. It has enough worries of its own. Live into your calling today. See, I woke up this morning as the husband of my wife, as the father to my five children, as one of the pastors at New Hope Church. That is my specific calling today. And if I will live into knowing Jesus to live, love, and go like Jesus, then I have the opportunity to live out that specific calling today to do my best to be Jesus in my relationships, my roles, my job, my career, all of those things. I have hopes and dreams for tomorrow, absolutely. I pray and I hope that God will open new opportunities and new doors and things like that that I want to journey through, sure. But if that's all I focus on, I miss my calling for today. See, the value of the work that we do, whether we're retired or we're working 80 hours a week, the value of the work that we do is not in the work itself. It's in the one who has called us to it. I get to talk about my kids a lot today. <laughs> but when we ask them to take out the trash or tell them to take out the trash, is the value in the work of taking out the trash or is the value in them learning to honor, obey, and respect their parents? The value is not in the work itself. Whether we're preaching or whether we're crunching numbers in a spreadsheet. The value is not in the work. It's the one who called us to it. And so our big idea today is that to fulfill your unique calling. That specific calling that's just for you. We need to focus on our highest calling because all of it flows from that. As we get to know God and God gets to know us and he learns to show us through his spirit what we're to do each day, we learn to be more like Jesus in our lives and we fulfill our specific callings, those unique callings naturally. It just happens because we're living like Jesus so how do we lean into that highest calling? How do we be salt and light in this world by focusing on our highest calling? A couple of ideas. Number one, just get into God's word. Stacy mentioned it earlier. Being in God's word helps us learn the heart of God. Secondly, let's talk to God. Spend time in prayer. Not just talking, but also listening. Listening for his voice. Third is we have other Christians that we can talk to. For example, it's how conversations with Chris and I got started is just talking about these things and learning iron sharpens iron, it says in Proverbs 27. And when we have the opportunity, when a choice is laid before us, choose his ways whenever we have the choice. 
Because we're going to be tempted to just skirt around truth a little bit. You know, this might be the easier path. And, well, I'm, you know, I'm kind of fulfilling 75% of my calling. But, you know, I'm just going to skirt. Or maybe the temptation is to go way around. When we have the opportunity, if at all possible, always choose God's ways. That's how we lean into our highest calling. To learn who God is. To learn of his heart. And there's a direct correlation between the time we spend pouring into our highest calling and how our actions and behaviors change when we live out the common callings and our unique callings. Pouring into our highest calling is about understanding our identity in Jesus. Talking to Randy this week, I the question came up in my mind. I was like, you know, if I met somebody on the street and they said, hey, who are you? I would probably launch into the, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm one of the pastors at New Hope. I've got a lovely family and, you know, we're starting the uncommons and I get to work with that. And these are all the things that I get to do. And it's kind of who makes me up, right? But what if we were standing face to face with Jesus and he said, who are you? I didn't have a very good answer. I didn't know how to answer that and it just flow from my heart the same way of the question of what do you do? Oh, here's, here's everything I get to do, blah, 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 blah. The answer of Jesus asking me, who are you, didn't just flow from my heart and that really disturbed me and I don't know that I have that much of a better answer today but if Jesus were standing here, which he is present in this room, I would say probably something to the effect of, I'm Jason. And I was created in your image. That like clay, you shaped me and you made me to be who I am. And and your fingerprints are all over my life. But then sin came in and it corrupted who I am. And most of your fingerprints are smeared and appear to be gone. But, But Jesus, you came You love me so much that you gave your life for me and now your life covers mine and the fingerprints are starting to return. You sacrificed in true love for me. And I have hopes and dreams for my tomorrows, but today I woke up as a new creation. His mercies are new each and every day and I get to live into that today. So to fulfill our unique calling, to fulfill that specific thing that God has for us, we need to fulfill and lean into and focus on our highest calling. Our identity is in Christ, not in what we do. Our identity is the one that is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And today we're gonna take communion together and we're gonna look to the cross for the sacrifice, the love, the mercy that he gave to us. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 through 10, it says that God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. And this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice 
to take away our sins. And so this morning, as we come to the tables, as you take communion at home, the invitation is to focus on our higher calling of understanding who Jesus is to us and asking him, what is my identity? Who am I in you, God? So as we come to the table this morning, we're gonna pray and then you can come forward to the tables. There's one on either side, one here in the middle. Let's take the moment to stand face to face with Jesus as he asks us, who are you in light of my cross? Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.